0: Now it's time for the NSCAA College Soccer Podcast with Dean Linke. The National Soccer Coaches Association of America is the go-to resource for soccer coaches of any level. From advocacy, education, and networking, the NSCAA has something for everyone. Join the world's largest soccer coaches organization today. Now, here's our veteran soccer broadcaster, Dean Linke.
1: Hello and welcome to the inaugural NSCAA College Soccer Podcast. My name is Dean Linky. Proud to say I was the longtime voice of the NSCAA College Soccer Game of the Week on Fox Soccer and online. i thrilled to get the call from NSCAA CEO Lynn Berlin manuel as well as Sean Chevro to bring you this weekly podcast. Yes, weekly podcast as we keep an eye on all of college soccer. And I mean all of it. Division one, two, three, junior college and NAIA each week will feature two to three interviews with coaches making news in college soccer again at all levels, of course for both men and women, as well as the latest from the NSCAA, the rankings, updates, and so much more. And what a great way to start today with Division I Women's Soccer two weeks in already and Division One Men's Soccer one week in. Why not start with the two reigning champion coaches at the Division I level and Erica Wash of Penn State, and Jeremy Gunn of Stanford for women and men, respectively. Division II, three Junior College and NAIA kickoff this weekend and next weekend, and we will have Bob Riasso from Division II Soccer Pfeiffer University. They went 25-0 last year, and we'll check in with the godfather and legendary Indiana soccer coach Jerry Yagley in our weekly NSCAA history huddle, and Rob Kehoe, the NSCAA's Director of College Services, will get you caught up on the latest from a truly NSCAA perspective. That and so much more after this message.
0: The NSCAA is 75 years strong and continues to provide quality service and benefits to soccer coaches. Whether you're a youth, high school, college, or professional coach, the NSCAA works to be a voice for you. Speaking of voice, once again, here's Dean Linky.
1: Okay, and we get things started talking Division One women's soccer. Two weeks in the books already, and some big time games already in play. Right now, your number one team in the just released NSCAA college rankings. Mark Tracorian has Florida State at three and O. That includes a win on the road at Texas A and M. Paul Ratcliffe has Stanford at number two. They're always very good. The University of Virginia led by Steve Swanson, 4-0 as they get ready for ACC play in a couple weeks. How about Nikki Izzo-Brown and West Virginia University? They're number 4-3-0-1, that tie against your reigning national champion Penn State Nittany Lions. The University of Florida, Becky Burley, a 4-3 thriller already over UCLA. Check their schedule out on the road at Stanford at UCLA, coming up at Florida State, at Oklahoma State. And then at Kentucky and Arkansas, are you kidding me? Becky Burley, Eddie Ranwanski, a recruiting extraordinaire at Clemson, number six. Duke and North Carolina, seven and eight. Anson Dorn's team, three, oh, and oh. Stephanie Golan will be at Duke. The former Duke star and head coach at the University of Minnesota has the Golden Gophers at number nine. And rounding out your top ten, Jennifer Rockwood, one of my favorites, at BYU, two, one, and zero, oh, and that includes a win at Penn State. To knock off Erica Wash Dombach's team. Speaking of Erica Wash Dombach, she is our first guest, and check out this resume. The recently married and new mom, Erica Wash Dombach, has led Penn State to a 157-50 and 10 mark through nine seasons. That includes nine straight NCAA tournament appearances, eight Big Ten regular season titles to go with it, and of course led the Nittany Lions to the program's first NCAA title just a year ago, winning the College Cup in Cary, North Carolina. On the national team side, she's been the assistant coach for the 2008 gold medal, U.S. women's national team, and she was the assistant coach for the USA at the 2011 World Cup in Germany. And she assisted the 2012 U.S. Women's Olympic Squad through the qualifying stage. A friend, of course, to everybody in the NSCAA and U.S. soccer, talking about Erica Wash Dombach. And here she is, the head coach of the reigning national champion Penn State Nittany Lions, Erica Walsh Dombach. And it's important to get that Dombach in there because <laughs> along with the news of the national championship, she got married and she's got a beautiful baby girl Addison, that's a lot of activity uh, in the last couple of years, Erica.
2: Yes, it is. And, and Dean, I appreciate you bringing me on the show. Um, it's been a big year, and uh, I decided to hit all of my bucket list items in one year.
1: <laughs> well, and I know it's a tough day for you because you're headed out to UCLA. By the way, tough schedule. Are you kidding me? But you're headed out to take on Amanda <laughs> Cromwell and the Bruins, and this will be the first time you're away from young Addie, and I know that's going to be tough, Coach.
2: Yeah, it will be. Um, Addie's eight weeks old now, and, you know, this is the reality of life. You need to make sure that you're uh, handling the work-life balance, and so far, thanks to uh, an understanding husband, that's gone really smoothly, so I'm
1: very fortunate. All right. Let's go ahead and flashback. I know you're going to say we're moving ahead. It's behind us, but just talk about what an amazing year it was. And did you know early on you had the pieces to get it done?
2: Well, like you said, it it was an amazing year and, uh, it started with bringing in a squad. I thought in preseason that we had the potential to be very special. Uh, but we hit some road bumps along the way. And, uh, as we all know, they can make you stronger or they can destroy you. And, uh, in particular our loss to Rutgers, our loss to Minnesota and, um, Uh, Arguably the most important one was our tie against Nebraska. Uh, And one of the things that was so special about the 2015 team is their ability to take as much as possible out of their losses and their adversity. Um, Nebraska in particular was more physical. They worked harder than us. They taught us a different level of just fight. And we studied them closely, and our team really adopted some of their Attitude and behavior that I think served us well uh, in the national championship weekend.
1: Ten years ago, when you made the decision to come to Penn State, was national championship on your mind? Without
2: a doubt, expectations has always been high. Uh, Pat Farmer and Paula Wilkins did a fabulous job with the program since its inception in 1994. They've been extremely successful in their string of Big Ten championships and their uh, three trips to the College Cup. So, the the only the final hurdle was winning the national championship.
1: Now with that, I found it fascinating when you go to your bio right in line with the fact that you win the national championship. I think almost before you're more proud of the GPA of your team. Talk about the academic side of the squad.
2: Without a doubt, that's one of uh, the things that we're most proud of with the 2015 team. Um, We completed the fall season with a 3.49 GPA, which is just 0.01 short of Uh, dean's list average, which is incomprehensible. Uh, And then on top of that, just the social responsibility of the team overall. Uh, Talk about keeping distractions out of the locker room and how important that is. Uh, Our coaching staff, all we had to focus on last fall was, uh, was putting our team together and focusing on soccer. And they did a fabulous job of keeping all distractions out of the locker room.
1: The learning lessons on the field, off the field, leading to a national championship, now a mother of a young one. How do you regroup and go for a repeat this year, Coach?
2: Well, certainly the the family piece of it and having Addie at home has only strengthened – Me as a person and me as a kind of a mother to these players as well, which I've always considered myself to be a teacher and a mentor. Uh, But I think that that Addie has added, obviously, another dimension to my life. They've been wonderful big sisters to her. We preach the family environment at Penn State and the United family. And now we just have a, a younger
1: member. You mentioned teaching and mentoring. And you have been a strong proponent of the NSCAA forever. They're now bringing back this NSCAA college soccer podcast what has that organization meant to you past and future
2: well it certainly has been a wonderful network to me um, I attribute Charlotte Moran for uh, much of what uh, my coaching career has become she was a wonderful mentor for me uh, as part of EPYSA she got me started um, and then at William and Mary John Daly uh, kind of pushed me helped me to encourage me to get into coaching and these these are all members of the NSCA and then more recently just being a part of the 30 under 30 program and um, Allowing me to be a mentor to some of the younger coaches and shed some light on some of the the, the great parts of coaching and also some of the challenges and um, just through talking through that program, it's really uh, helped me to understand how much I enjoy what I do on a daily
1: basis. Just a few months away, removed from the Olympics and last year's World Cup, it is amazing the impact women's college soccer has made on the international game. Talk about that.
2: Well, I think you know, just even close to home it's Small town State College. We walk into the Jeffrey Field on last Friday night, and we've got over 5,500 people in those stands. Now, obviously we won a national championship, but more than that, women's soccer is booming all over the world right now. And um, I felt it. I started to feel it a lot in 2011, being over in Germany with the World Cup and sitting in the stands, listening to grown men talk about the women's game and not just because they were there with their daughters. They were there together. They knew the members of the team. They were talking about Anya Mitag and members of the German national team. And these were these were men that uh, had the choice to go to men's games and chose to come to the women's games, so I think that that shows uh, a wonderful evolution of our sport around the world.
1: Alright, so here we go. We already kind of teased it a little bit. You start the season with West Virginia, then BYU, and now you're headed out to take on Amanda Cromwell and UCLA. Why was it so important to have these tough tests right off the bat, Coach?
2: Well, just philosophically, that's always been the case. We've We've always tried to test ourselves early in the season, and like I said with the 2015 team, those those losses undoubtedly were a huge part of our success in the College Cup. you got to learn about yourself. Uh, we went out to Stanford last year, and uh, we talked about how to take care of your bodies on road trips and so many lessons that we needed going down to um, to carry last year for the College Cup. So these are the pieces, the, the, the losses that you take on potentially, uh, the, the learning lessons along the way. Those are the reasons why you're successful. So I'm not, I'm not afraid to take a loss on if it means – Growing and getting better because obviously it's it's how you finish the season and that's what it's all about for us
1: coach i'm a big fan of big 10 women's soccer i'll actually be calling your game against minnesota on the big 10 network in just a few weeks i look forward to seeing you then all the best against ucla congratulations on the birth of your daughter and all those bucket list items it's a pleasure having you
3: on our first nsca college soccer podcast
2: thanks dean appreciate it
3: When you join the National Soccer Coaches Association of America, you join a community who live and breathe the beautiful game just like you do. You join a network of individuals who share many of the same issues, concerns, and questions as you. The NSCAA is dedicated to serving coaches at every level of the game in a number of ways through advocacy, education, and service. Be a part of the coaching community. Learn more and join at NSCAA.com. Moving now to Division
1: I men's soccer. One week in the books at the men's level. And the NSCA rankings have the University of Akron at number one. They're 2-0 with one nothing wins over Georgetown and Seattle. What a job Jared Embeck has done replacing Caleb Porter as the top man. Coach Mike Noonan, Clemson University. They made it all the way to the national championship game a year ago. They are 2-0 and already, including a win over Mark Burson in front of a big crowd at the Graveyard in Columbia. They've got Creighton. Tomorrow night, and a very busy schedule for Clemson. The University of North Carolina Tar Heels sit at number three in the rankings. They're 2 0 to start the season, and that includes six goals in two games by six different players and win over Cal Poly and St. Louis. I'll have the North Carolina NC State call Friday night, 7 p.m. on ESPN3. Love to see you on that one. Todd Yagley's Indiana Hoosiers come in at number five, right behind the University of Notre Dame. As the Indiana Hoosiers have a big weekend this weekend with Cal and Stanford in town for the Adidas Classic in Bloomington. Syracuse sits at number six. Sasha Soroski's University of Maryland with a 1 1 tie to start the season against UCLA has Georgetown on Friday, USF and George Kiefer on Monday. Elmar Bolovich's Creighton team, always a tough schedule. They'll be at Clemson on Friday night. That should be an outstanding one. And how about Jorge Salcedo and UCLA Duke and Akron on Friday and Monday, respectively, this after that 1 1 draw to start the season against Maryland? And of course, University of California Santa Barbara at number 10. The Stanford Cardinals, your reigning national champions, are at number 15. They are led, of course by their head coach, Jeremy Gunn. What a job he has done since coming over from UNC Charlotte, winning it all last year by defeating the Clemson Tigers. And Jeremy Gunn joins me now. Coach, I've got to introduce you one more time as the coach of the reigning national champion, Stanford Cardinal. Even today, a week into the season, how does that sound?
4: It's always wonderful to hear. It's a a lovely pat on the back for all the, the great hard work that the guys have done in the past. But, um you know, while it's a nice thing to hear, you know, to be honest, we just have to focus on the here and now and, uh, make sure we're preparing to bring our A game every time we step out on the field.
1: All right. We're going to get to the here and now, but I do want you to reflect on what it takes to win a national championship. You went through the grind. How were you able to pull it off coach?
4: Um, I I don't like to use the word grind. I think it's a, it's a wonderful journey and it's, it's a tough journey. There's lots of tests along the way, but, um, you no, know, rather than looking at it as a grind, it's just challenge after challenge, and you know, raising your raising your abilities every time you step on the field, and every time you play a great team and and have to, to have to compete with them.
1: Also on this program, the Godfather Jerry Yeagley, ironically, because you are in Indiana and you'll play on Yeagley Field. I asked him about uh, where college soccer fits today, and. He talked about the incredible crowds, and he ended it talking about Mr. Morris and his development in college soccer, moving on to Major League Soccer. Can you second those sentiments? Yeah, I
4: think the, the college game has continued to evolve, and you know, is such an incredible breeding ground for, for not just great soccer players, but great people for the future. Um, I think today, <clears throat> the way the MLS has evolved, the way soccer has continued to evolve, There are some questions asked of college soccer, and I think constantly we try to address those. You know, we're looking at trying to have the academic year model put in place where we can stretch the season out and make it less of a sprint and more of a, you know, a a play train and and go again type thing. But, um, no, it's an an amazing environment. Uh, We continue to produce, you know, great young men who can go on and become great professional players, great international players and it's something that I think everybody who's involved with it just really knows how good it is, and and hopefully it can continue to develop and just continue to have an important part of the the landscape of of soccer in America.
1: So you mentioned an amazing environment. Four big-time college soccer teams in Bloomington, Indiana this weekend. Your team will take on Notre Dame on Friday and then the Indiana Hoosiers on Sunday. Cal is also there these four teams early on, why is it so important to be tested against the best teams in the country?
4: Well I think you always want to be challenged and find out exactly where you stand. And so when you come up against other great teams, I think you're you put in those positions, you, you're testing yourself to the max, and it's just truly exciting for the players. Um, I think if you, if you ever want to be looking at um, the postseason as well, you want to try and face as many of those types of teams that you would end up facing. And so, you know, they're great tests for all of the players and they're they're exciting events for everybody involved. And I think the players get excited and and the fans and the crowds get really behind it as well.
1: Coach, talk about your decision to come to the States, to go to college at Cal State Bakersfield. And you've stayed here. You played professionally here. You became a coach here, success at Charlotte, moved out to Stanford. Now, of course, the national champion head coach. Talk about your decision to come here.
4: Um, well, it was a it was a cold, rainy day in England, and someone was asking if I'd like to to step foot in California, <laughs> and so it was. The initial decision was just very much well, if you don't do it, you're going to regret it for the rest of your life, and you know you can always go back home if if it doesn't work out and if you don't like it. And so <clears throat> I came out to the states. I was promised the sunshine. I didn't actually realize exactly how hot it was going to be where I was going to in Bakersfield, but um, the people, the community, were so kind. They looked after a skinny little English kid who really wasn't sure what was going on at the time. And, uh, you know, through through the time being here, I was afforded wonderful opportunities to get a, a great degree and do my master's and play soccer and coach soccer from the youth levels all the way through up to the college level. And so... I've been truly fortunate with all the opportunities that were provided me here. Um, and and I think that comes back to how valuable the college sport is when you look at what the opportunities are in the rest of the world. I think we all try and emulate the great coaches around the world. But I think the U S is also trying to emulate the systems around the world as far as how they develop players. And I personally don't think you have to do that for everybody. I think, The fact that we have opportunities for people to continue to mature as people while developing as players is a really exciting part of what's offered in the United States. And the the intercollegiate environment for people of any sport is truly amazing. You get to follow your dreams as an athlete and you get to follow your dreams developing as a person. And it it allows a lot of people to develop, whereas in, in other countries, you know, People with the clipboard are making decisions about your whole career at the age of 16, 17, 18, and I think a, a lot of talent can be lost with that.
1: Well, I absolutely love that answer, particularly talking about development. Speaking of development, you've also, I saw you at the NSCA convention last year. How has that organization helped your development as a coach?
4: Well, I think whenever you're in any profession, um, you have your own ideas, you have your own way of doing things, but um, it's always great to see other people's ideas. Always get to learn from other people, I think every time you watch somebody else coach, you just you might just pick up one extra nugget, you know one one other thing that you hadn't thought about, maybe a different way of doing things, or getting you to look at things a different way. and so whenever you get together as a group with so many coaches in one place, I think um it's just awesome to see so many ideas, and also just get to realize just how big the sport is in the United States, how vast it is and how many great people are involved with it and obviously you you get all of the great sessions at the convention and then um i think there's lots of tactical discussions goes on at conventions into the late hours as well so it's a it's a fun event always going to the convention and also it's a great organization to be a part of when you know how many other good people are part of it
1: well said coach i know it's early doors on the season and of course uh we expect great things from stanford but in your view, through preseason, who might be three or four teams to keep an eye on this season?
4: Oh, my goodness. Uh, I think there are always a, an awful lot of great teams. And I think, I really think there's an awful lot more parity in men's soccer than maybe in some of the other sports as well. I think that there's lots of different ways of going about producing a great program. Um, I think our neighbors down the road in our conference, UCLA, have a tremendous team and they're laden with talent so I think they'll they'll be poised for another great season um and then across the country you know I don't get to see the teams day in day out but I think we're going to be facing two unbelievable teams this weekend in Notre Dame and Indiana and then who knows who else will be coming out I know Maryland look very strong again and um you know there'll, there'll be lots of teams and uh Rather than trying to foresee the future, we'll have to see how all these games pan out. And then by the end of the season, I'm sure it'll figure itself out.
1: Well said. I've got the Tar Heels, NC State on Friday on ESPN3. And UNC looks to be a formidable team as well. Speaking of television, Sunday night on the Big Ten Network Live, you can catch the Indiana Hoosiers and Coach Gunn's Stanford Cardinal. Coach Gunn, congratulations on your national championship last year. All the best as you go for a repeat.
4: Uh, Thank you so much, and uh, thank you to all the fans that listen and get out there and support the college soccer. It's awesome to have you out there.
0: The 2017 NSCAA convention will be unlike any before. Taking over the downtown Los Angeles Convention Center January 11th through 15th. Network with over 11,000 peers at one of the education sessions, the extensive exhibit hall, or one of many social functions, including the college coaches reception and the All-American Luncheon. With more space and unique experiences, you won't want to miss out on the largest gathering of soccer coaches and administrators in the world. Register today at NSCAA.com. Welcome back to the NSCAA
1: College Soccer Podcast. I'm Dean Linky. Bob Riasso served as the head men's soccer coach at Rutgers for 29 years, where he amassed a career record of 351, 183, and 71 coaching U.S. soccer greats like Alexi Lalas and Peter Vermes. Riasso posted a winning record at Rutgers in each of his first 23 seasons and took his program to the NCAA tournament 13 times. In 1990, Riasso led the Scarlet Knights to the NCAA championship game before falling to UCLA in penalty kicks. That season, Riasso was named the National Coach of the Year by the NSCAA. Last season, Riasso achieved that same recognition, but this time at the Division II level, he returned to his alma mater, Pfeiffer University in North Carolina in 2013, this time as an athletic director and soccer coach for the Falcons. And last year, they went 25-0 and to win the Division II Men's National Championship, a perfect season for Mr. Bob Riasso. Bob, thanks for being on the show with us. My pleasure, Dean. 25-0 and 0 last year, first undefeated season in 16 years at the Division II level. You still live in that dream? Uh, we've tried to forget
5: about it, to be honest. I know it's uh, it was an unbelievable year, and we're very thankful for it. But, you know, uh, we're trying to get our guys to focus on the here and now. And we have a veteran group that have done a very good job of it. But I've gone so far as to ban all national championship gear, you know, that everybody had from last year. We're just trying to, you know, worry about our first opponent and, and, and the next
1: practice session and on and on. So, I appreciate that, but I just broke down your resume. And you know in soccer, it's so easy to tie or lose a game that you're dominating. How in the world did you go 25-0?
5: You know, we, uh, we have, of course, had some good fortune during the year. Uh, we also have great kids. I mean, we have a very veteran group. Uh, they They're great kids off the field. They're great kids on the field. I know everybody says that. But this is, you know, I've been coaching for like 41 years now. This is the best group of kids I've ever coached. And they're very serious and very dedicated. So, you know, we were able to stay focused and and to keep fighting in some tough situations, especially the NCAA tournament. And, you know, you're, it's always nice when you're blessed with attacking talent because that can change games. And, and, you know, we definitely are blessed with attacking talent.
1: Incredible career at Rutgers. You're going into the Rutgers Hall of Fame. Alexi Lalas, Peter Vermees, the list is endless of great players it looks like you're just going into academia, administration. It pulled you back. Tell that story.
5: Well, I, you know, I, I when I left Rutgers, I wasn't really sure what I was going to do. When I wound up, uh, my wife really was in charge because she didn't want to leave New Jersey. Then she said she'd only go to certain places. So uh, when I got an opportunity to go up to Maine to go to a small Division three school, I, uh, I took it. And, um, you know, and then Pfeiffer contacted me and wanted me to come back to my alma mater and you know, I, I really wasn't into just being an athletic director anymore, even though it's, it's time-consuming. But I, I still had the edge the to coach. And I, when they finally said, yeah, you can come down and coach, uh, you know, I took the job. And you know, I've been very, very fortunate. So um, and I'm, It's great to be in North Carolina. I love North Carolina. You know, the people are great. The weather is great. And it's just great to back to be coaching again.
1: Okay, opening weekend this weekend for Division Two, And you're already telling me stories that it's not going to be easy.
5: No, we you know we've got a uh, you know our first four games are very very difficult and uh, starting tonight with uh, Lander. Lander is coached by a great young coach in Lee Squires, and you know, they have a great group back. They uh, they lost here against Wingate in the nSA tournament uh, last year, but uh, you know we expect a very very tough test for them. You know, and then we have a local derby on Sunday. We play Catawba College again, which is it will be a tough opponent, and then we fly to Florida and play. Palm Beach Atlantic, who we beat 5-4 in the NCAA tournament, uh, which I'm sure they're looking forward to catching up with us again. And then we play Lynn University and won the national championship the year before us. So we could play very, very well and, and pick up some L's in this first two weeks, but that's okay.
1: Big-time programs in Division Two. On this inaugural NSCA College Soccer Podcast, we've got Jerry Yagley. We've also got Rob Kehoe talking about potential changes at the Division One level and really the landscape of college soccer from where you sit As we talked about what you did at Rutgers and now at Pfeiffer, where you're the AD and the soccer coach, talk about how important it is to have soccer at this level and the D3 level, junior college and even NAIA.
5: Well, I think it's it's important. I think the growth is important, I think. Uh, Rob and and Sasha and the guys that are working on it now have done a fabulous job putting together their presentation to to split the seasons. Uh, you know, you mentioned Jerry Eagley, Jerry Yagley, John Rennie, and all of us were trying to do the same thing 20 years ago, and it just wasn't right then. I think the time is right. I think it's way overdue, and it's an it's an important part if we're going to grow in the MLS and all the leagues, the NASL, you know, the USL. They all use college players. So, if we can split the season and eventually it'll start in Division one, hopefully eventually trickle down. if we can split the seasons, it'll just help us develop players uh, both professionally take some of the load off them because it's so intense in the fall for our kids and develop better as players. So I think it's a great time in college soccer.
1: Bob, you sound like you look like you could go another twenty years. <laughs> Part of your development has also been because of the work of the n s c a a How long will you go and if other coaches are listening, how important is it to be a part of this organization? Well,
5: the NSCAA. God, I joined in you know 1974, and it's been such an integral part of my whole career. I mean, it's a great place to, uh, for camaraderie, for learning, you know, for sharing ideas, and you know, it, it's really it's the biggest coaches' organization in the world. It's it's a tremendous organization, you know, and uh, you know, I, I support it wholeheartedly. For me, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm I still love what I do. So I'll uh, you know continue to do it as long as my health is good and my health is good right now. So uh, we'll go from there. So I've been I've been very blessed and I have a long long history with
1: the uh, the NSCAA and I'm very appreciative of it. Finally, with your kickoff tonight for the Pfeiffer Falcons, uh, give us an idea of who the four or five teams might be to watch at the Division II men's level this year.
5: Well, Landers going to be very good. Landers uh, an exceptional team uh you know like i said coached by a wonderful young coach and lee squires you know palm beach atlantic lynn uh our regular opponent in our conference carolina limestone there's charleston but the list goes on and on i think one of the things that people don't realize is what a high level the division two level is you get to the top 15 teams in division two and they could compete in any conference in in division one and do very very well so it's uh it's a very good time in soccer around the country and, and again, in particular for Division
1: Two. 25-0 a year ago, your D2 champion and your NSCAA D2 coach of the year. Bob, congrats on a great season. As you said, it's behind you now. Good luck this season. Thanks a lot, Dave. Be well, buddy
0: the NSCAA is 75 years strong and continues to provide quality service and benefits to soccer coaches. Whether you're a youth, high school, college, or professional coach, the NSCAA works to be a voice for you. Speaking of voice, once again, here's Dean Linke. Welcome back to the NSCAA
1: College Soccer Podcast. I'm Dean Linke. have an incredible time as college soccer is in play, and this is the first edition Of won every single week through every single championship for men and women college soccer at every single level. Pleased to be joined now by Rob Kehoe, my good friend and the director of college programs, now in his ninth year for the NSCAA. Rob, you know this is my favorite part of the year, yours too. So great to be reconnected with you here on the NSCAA podcast.
6: Thank you, Dean. And the sentiments are, equal as far as this time of the year. You and I have spent so many days and weekends on the road over the past number of years covering college soccer through our college game of the week on television and live stream. And this year is no different in terms of the excitement. I mean, just looking at what's happened in the opening weeks, two weeks for the Division I women and one week for the Division One men with so many tremendous matchups like uh, Florida State playing Texas A&M on the women's side. Florida already going out and playing Stanford and UCLA, BYU going to Penn State. Santa Clara took on four Pac-12 powers in the uh, first two weeks of the season, Notre Dame, Michigan, and and those are just tremendous matchups, and that's a statement of what the college teams do to start the year off. They start them off of a bang, and on the women's side this weekend, I mean, if you're a college soccer fan, to get out and see some soccer, you've got Duke playing North Carolina. Florida, Florida State, UCLA, Penn State, South Carolina, Clemson, which will be a fantastic night of soccer there. On the men's side, opened up with Maryland, UCLA. Akron had two wins at home against national top 15 teams, Georgetown and Seattle. At South Carolina, Clemson went over and won 2-1 in front of 6,900 fans at the graveyard. Stanford went to Penn State and then, Looking at this weekend, you've got the IU Classic with Notre Dame, Stanford, Cal and IU all competing against each other in Bloomington. UCLA, Duke, Clemson, Creighton, and up in the uh, in the DC area, Maryland, Georgetown, which we've been to numbers of occasions. Well, they'll probably have seven thousand people there to watch, and so those are some really exciting things that have happened and will happen this weekend. Another thing, uh, Grand Canyon University that has recently joined Division I with uh, their new coach now, Sheila Simon just opened a brand-new soccer stadium. They had 6,400 people uh, there for their opener last weekend where they won 4-2. And also we were uh, informed of the news that uh, Mount St. Mary's University in Maryland is reinstating their Division I men's college soccer team. So good news all around for college soccer.
1: Great games, great crowds as well, and you've already got the goosebumps going for me and some incredible goals early doors here as well, Rob.
6: There, there were. I mean, I looked at the Top Drawer Soccer is doing a Goals of the Week feature video, and the first week I went on and saw some absolutely terrific goals, Duke, UCLA, and then this week St. Louis University and Wake Forest on the men's side. Just some absolute world-class highlight real goals, and so not only are the games compelling because of the matchups, the crowds, but also some of the tremendous actions we've already seen this year, and we can anticipate much more as the journey continues.
1: A lot of behind-the-scenes news as well. A lot of people have seen the Sasha Swarovski YouTube video on the status of Division One men's academic year season model initiative. Rob, I know you've been busy with that. Get us updated on the latest.
6: Well, it's certainly, as you know, something that's been in the works uh, with a high level of enthusiasm and concentration over the last number of years. Uh, With the NCAA governance structure getting back into its normal cycle over the last year, the uh, initiative has been reignited. And so, there's a lot of conversation that's been going on around campuses, in conferences, and in the NCAA governance meetings, the Division I Council, the Competition Oversight Committee, Student Athlete Experience Committee, Student Academic or Student Athlete Advisory Committee, all looking at different models of sports. And one front and center is the Division One men's academic year season model. And so it's getting attention in the last week or so, uh, beginning with the National Soccer Coaches Association release of the video as well as the Frequently Asked Questions document relating to the initiative. There's been much more attention that has been attracted to it with articles in media outlets like the Washington Post, Gold Nation, many other outlets have, have covered this. And so, again, it's in conversation. There's no formal proposal Yet, but it's something that is being discussed widely uh, across the country, and we're looking to move it into a formal proposal stage uh, that could be considered for implementation as early as possible the uh, ninth, or the 2018 season. The question often comes up on this: What about the women? Uh, as far as the Division One women, and they are interested similarly in terms of making adjustments to what is presently a compressed fall season and looking to help build more balance to the academic, athletic, and personal life experience on campuses. And so they're looking at the structure of their season a little bit differently. But both the Division I men and women are, are looking to make changes to allow for more rest and recovery time between games. A more meaningful uh, development and competition over the course of of their years, uh, so it's it's in the news, and we're certainly continuing to work on both.
1: Rob, you're all over the Division One scene. I know one of the things you love as well with this podcast. We'll also be highlighting Division Two, II, Three, NAIA, all of college soccer.
6: Yes, absolutely, and we've enjoyed doing that in the past with our highlights and rankings show. And this weekend is where the opening of the broad spectrum of college soccer begins with all the different divisions, and we look forward to, again, looking at the excitement of college soccer being played nationally. It's great for entertainment, for local crowds to get out and see high-level soccer on the college campuses and support that. So this weekend is the big weekend where all the uh, the schools across the country will begin to compete and it will then begin to show up in national rankings with the uh, NSCA rankings as of next week.
1: Great stuff, as always, from Rob Keough. And, indeed, we will break down those NSCA rankings for the D2, D3 junior college and NAIA next week, right here on the College Soccer Podcast. Great to have Rob Keough with us. Coming up around the corner, the godfather, the NSCAA Hall of Famer Honor Award winner. He is the best, Jerry Yeagley, the longtime head coach of the Indiana Hoosiers, The field now aptly named after him, Yeagley Field, as he sits down and watches his son, Todd Yeagley, lead the Hoosiers this weekend as they take on Cal and Stanford. The godfather around the corner on the NSCAA College Soccer Podcast.
0: By being a member of the NSCAA, you are a part of the world's largest network of soccer coaches. Here, you can find like-minded people passionate about bettering themselves to help better their players and ultimately to better the game.
1: Every week on the NSCA College Soccer Podcast, we will flash back to some of the leaders of college soccer from years past and leaders of the NSCAA, and I couldn't think of a better person to start with than the godfather, Jerry Yagley, the Indiana Hoosiers men's soccer coach from 1973 to 2003. His teams won six NCAA championships and a Division I record 544 games. He is considered the most successful collegiate men's soccer coach in the history of the sport. Yegley's career came to a fitting and magical end in 2003 as his Hoosiers went unbeaten over their final 18 games and won the NCAA championship. As I said that was number six for Indiana they now have eight one under Mike Freitag and one under the godfather's son Todd Yegley now in charge for the Indiana Hoosiers. In 1997, Jerry Yagley received the NSCAA's Honor Award, the organization's highest tribute, and one year later, he was inducted into the NSCAA Hall of Fame. Jerry Yagley is out at practice right now as Indiana gets set to take on Cal and Stanford this weekend. Coach, I know you are loving life right now. Oh, my.
7: I'm up here uh, at training, you know, feeding my passion. I stealth in the shadows, Dean. It gets the juices flowing. It gets uh, gets me excited.
1: One of the reasons I know the juices are flowing is Indiana has a team that can win the national championship. I'm not going to ask you to say that, but talk about what you're seeing out there right now.
7: Well, Dean, very honestly, I thought we had a team last year that could have won the national championship. Got a, a result at Wake Forest, I thought, where we certainly hit the post twice and could have won. They were ranked number one and could have gone on in the tournament. And most of those guys are back. It is a veteran group, very strong in terms of returning back six with a four in the the two uh, in midfield. The front four, uh, of course, with Tanner Thompson off to a great start this year and an assortment of other guys. I like the group. They like each other, and uh, I mean, a team that has two players up for National Player of the Year, that's uh, that's
1: pretty good. In your own words, and I know you've been asked this question a thousand times, but I never get tired of hearing it. What does it mean to have your son now coaching at Indiana?
7: <laughs> that, uh, you can't put that into words. You know, uh, when it's family, uh, it's harder for me at the games now because he's coaching than it was when I was coaching. Because you you want everything to go just right. And the other part of that is I have to internalize, you know, my emotions, my thoughts. Whereas when I was coaching, I'm on the bench, I'm working, I'm, you know, shouting out or, you know, talking to players or what have you. Now I just have to sit there and internalize and uh, try to keep away from folks who want to ask me what's going on and so on and so forth like that but uh, it's a wonderful thing that Todd's coaching E. Mays and Roby and now Danny O'Rourke back for the year as a student assistant. The pretty red of IU is full
1: force. And what did it mean when he added a star as well to the pedigree of Indiana? Well, that was, uh, I was speechless. You know,
7: you expect that. You hope for that every year. You say, hey, these these goals, Indiana, we want to win championships. Having been there, done that, having him do it, that was more special in a lot of ways for me
1: godfather college soccer continues to evolve and even change in different ways with the growth of professional soccer but it still has its place right talk about uh how you feel about college soccer today
7: oh i think college soccer is uh, more healthy today than it's ever been and when you see crowds, my friend mark burson down at south carolina playing clemson 6800 people out at Rio Grande, Chellis, uh, over 6,000, I believe, uh, at a school like that. The crowds, the interest, the student interest is just really great. Uh, not only is the uh, student interest up and uh, the, the popularity of the game, but the quality of the play, I feel, is very, very strong. And that's you know noticed in the number of players who are being successful in playing at the MLS level. You know, Jordan Morris. Wonderful example of that, and uh, the naysayers of college soccer hurting, hurting the growth of the sport. The old Paul Gardners of the world, uh, I think they're being shown to be wrong on that.
1: Speaking of great interests, I was excited to get the call from the NSCAA to bring back, uh, or to bring this podcast on the air, and you know, obviously the NSCAA has played a huge role in in your entire career. What has the N S C A meant to you, Jerry?
7: Well. I've been a member for gosh, 50 years and, uh, it's, uh, anyone who, you know, the life, their life has been revolved around uh, the sport of soccer and mine at the college level. The NSCAA is an integral part of that. And, uh, I'm still serving on, uh, committees and boards and the foundation. And, I'll, I'll try to give back. I owe so much to the NSCAA and, and, uh, what it's done, uh, not only for me, but for the sport.
1: Finally, I'll be calling the Indiana-Maryland game on the Big Ten Network, my 10th year now with the Big Ten Network, and they'll be doing over-unders on how many times I'll say the word, the godfather. What has that meant uh, around Bloomington?
7: <laughs> <laughs> oh, Dean, <clears throat> I play I played generally with my buddies at, uh, at the country club, and they call me the godfather. So uh, it's extended... Uh, uh, you know, throughout the community, and uh, uh, it's a moniker that I that I'm very proud of and cherish. And you're the guy who pinned it on me, but I don't feel like a special guy in the game. Uh, I've I've had my time with it, and maybe contributed a little bit, but uh, the game of soccer has given more to me than I've given to it.
1: Well, that's going to be a tough argument for sure. My best to to Marilyn and all the Yagleys and we'll be seeing you in Bloomington real soon. All right, Dean. Thank you. Thank you, Godfather, and what a great way to end the first show of the NSCAA College Soccer Podcast. We'll be coming to you every week as we break down men's and women's college soccer at every single level. I want to thank all of our guests, including the Godfather, Rob Kehoe from the NSCAA, Erica Wash dombach the reigning head coach for the Penn State women's soccer team, Jeremy Gunn, the reigning head coach for the Stanford men's soccer team, and Bob Riasso, the head coach of Fife. University your reigning division two men's soccer coach more great guests next week and the rankings for D2 D3 junior college and NAIA we'll have it all right here on the NSCAA college soccer podcast I'm Dean
3: Linke thanks for being with us When you join the National Soccer Coaches Association of America, you join a community who live and breathe the beautiful game just like you do. You join a network of individuals who share many of the same issues, concerns, and questions as you. The NSCAA is dedicated to serving coaches at every level of the game in a number of ways through advocacy, education, and service. Be a part of the coaching community. Learn more and join at NSCAA.com.